0: of 66 different books by around 40 different authors from many different backgrounds. There were kings and shepherds, soldiers, fishermen, doctors, poets and farmers. Some were young, some old, some rich, and some poor. And they wrote, each reflecting his own personality and style. From a wide variety of life circumstances, all the way from palace thrones and bedrooms, to the dungeons down in the palace basement, from seashores to mountaintops, and to the backsides of dry desert wasteland. In their books, the writers issued hundreds of specific future prophecies, all perfectly fulfilled or awaiting fulfillment. And they discuss every aspect of human life, hundreds of complicated and controversial topics. And yet, there is a unity and consistency of message in the Bible, from start to finish, that is nothing short of miraculous. Throughout history and today, millions of people around the globe call this book the Holy Bible, the very Word of God. It claims to be a self revelation of the Supreme Being, the Creator Himself, stepping out of eternity into time and space to tell us and show us what He is like and to let us know His plan for our lives here on earth and in the hereafter. The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar is your chance to actually hear, discuss, and decide for yourself about this book, the Bible. Stay tuned, and at the very least, you'll hear the beauty, wisdom, romance, adventure, and intrigue of the world's greatest literature, the best selling, most translated book of all history. But more importantly, God Himself just might speak to your heart and change your life forever. Now, here's the host of A Bible Live, Sophie Dollar. <laughs> Ah, uh, Jackie, Jackie, Jackie. She says, yay. <laughs> nice little ego stroke for the host tonight. Good evening, everyone. Glad you're here in your car, tooling across South Texas, maybe on the highways and byways of this great city. Or, who knows, maybe you're messing around in the garage, taking care of some projects, or at work. Maybe you're a taxi driver, or a policeman, or an ambulance. It's amazing, the folks that let us know each and every night, that they are making their way through the Bible life with us each and every year. It is a wonderful thing, and it's a great privilege for me to be here with you, making this journey as well. I enjoy it more than I can possibly ever tell you. Now tonight we're going to continue our way right on through the book of Numbers in the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then Deuteronomy. We're going to read those two books, Numbers and Deuteronomy, and then we'll head back to the New Testament where we'll pick up in the Gospel of Mark, the second gospel. We read the Gospel of Matthew during the Christmas holidays at the time when Messiah was being born. Now, we've come back to finish these five books of the Old Testament called the Torah, the Pentateuch, the books of the law, the books of Moses, tradition tells us, and it is thought that Moses wrote these. He was educated in some of the best schools of his time there in Egypt, his very unique birth there, and he was raised in the palaces of the pharaohs, then at age 40 out into the wilderness fleeing for his life. The second 40 years was in the desert as a shepherd, Then God called him at age 80 to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt, out of those 400 years of slavery. And so we've been following their experiences now. Israel has gone up to the promised land. It was normally an 11-day journey from Mount Sinai to the southern edge of Canaan, the promised land. They made that journey, and then they failed to go in. We read about that in our last couple of readings Then Moses struck the rock instead of speaking to the rock for water to flow out, and that became the note that he would not be going into the promised land with the people. So we're going to pick up in Numbers chapter 21, but right now let's go to our Wisdom and Worship segment, Psalm 33 on the Bible Life. Psalm 33, 1 through 12. Let the godly sing with joy to the Lord, for it is fitting to praise him. Praise the Lord with melodies on the lyre. Make music for Him on the ten-stringed harp. Sing new songs of praise to Him. Play skillfully on the harp and sing with joy. For the word of the Lord holds true, and everything He does is worthy of our trust. He loves whatever is just and good, and His unfailing love fills the earth. The Lord merely spoke, and the heavens were created. He breathed the word, and all the stars were born. He gave the sea its boundaries, and locked the oceans in vast reservoirs. Let everyone in the world fear the Lord, and let everyone stand in awe of Him. For when He spoke, the world began. It appeared at His command. The Lord shatters the plans of the nations and thwarts all their schemes, but the Lord's plans stand firm forever. His intentions can never be shaken. What joy for the nation whose God is the Lord, whose people He has chosen for His own! End of reading, Psalm 33, 1 through 12. Sing your praise to the Lord. Come on, everybody, stand up and sing one more. Hallelujah, you sing your praise to the Lord. I could never tell you just how much good it is going to do you to see. You're listening to The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. When he forgives you, it goes on and so much song you got to again. Your heart to Him. All right, remember when you first gave your heart to Him, when you first belonged to the Lord, that enthusiasm, that joy, that excitement, that gratitude that we felt. Let's maintain that, continue to walk in that thrill. Psalm 33 was so beautiful. I like the way it started. It says, Let the godly sing for joy to the Lord. It is fitting for the pure of heart to praise Him. Why do we praise God? for all kinds of reasons, maybe even personal reasons, for the way it makes us feel. Joy and satisfaction, we forget our own problems and our own selves, (laughs) maybe some deep mental-emotional therapy going on as we praise God. But first and foremost, it is because He is worthy. He deserves our praise. He is a great and truly good and gracious God to us whatever else is going on in our lives, we can always praise God. Even when we have failed him and we're maybe down in the dumps a bit, or maybe we're feeling the pinch of conviction of sin and having to kind of come back to the God honestly, it doesn't matter. He is still worthy of our praise. Praise is always a great place to start when we come to the Lord in prayer. Just praise Him, thank Him, and acknowledge His goodness. Well, in chapter 20 of the book of Numbers, there was a 37-year jump forward. So now the people of Israel are coming back to the Promised Land. For a second time, almost 40 years before, they came to this point and they chickened out. They didn't make it. Now this time, they will come on in. It's going to be very unusual because Balak, one of the kings of Canaan, they put up a resistance, and there's this sorcerer that tries to work against them. Let's Numbers 21:10 through 24:25. Numbers 21. The Israelites traveled next to Oboth and camped there. Then they went on to Iye Abarim in the wilderness on the eastern border of Moab. From there, they traveled to the valley of Zered Brook and set up camp. Then they moved to the far side of the Arnon River in the wilderness adjacent to the territory of the Amorites. The Arnon is the boundary line between the Moabites and the Amorites. For this reason, the book of the Wars of the Lord speaks of the town of Wahib in the area of Sufa and the ravines, and the Arnon River and its ravines, which extend as far as the settlement of Ar on the border of Moab. From there the Israelites traveled to Be'er, which is the well where the Lord said to Moses, Assemble the people, and I will give them water. There the Israelites sang this song, Spring up, O well, yes, sing about it, Sing of this well which princes dug, which great leaders hollowed out with their scepters and staffs. Then the Israelites left the wilderness and proceeded on through Matanah, Nahaliel, and Bamoth. Then they went to the valley in Moab where Pisgah Peak overlooks the wasteland. The Israelites now sent ambassadors to King Sihon of the Amorites with this message, Let us travel through your land. We will stay on the king's road until we have crossed your territory. We will not trample your fields or touch your vineyards or drink your well water. But King Sihon refused to let them cross his land. Instead, he mobilized his entire army and attacked Israel in the wilderness, engaging them in battle at Jehaz. But the Israelites slaughtered them and occupied their land from the Arnon River to the Jabbok River. They went only as far as the Ammonite border because the boundary of the Ammonites was fortified. So Israel captured all the towns of the Amorites and settled in them, including the city of Heshbon and its surrounding villages. Heshbon had been the capital of King Sihon of the Amorites. He had conquered a former Moabite king and seized all his land as far as the Arnon River. For this reason, the ancient poets wrote this about him. Come to Heshbon, city of Sihon. May it be restored and rebuilt. A fire flamed forth from Heshbon, a blaze from the city of Sihon. It burned the city of Ar in Moab. It destroyed the rulers of the Arnon Heights. Your destruction is certain, O people of Moab. You are finished, O worshippers of Chemosh. Chemosh has left his sons as refugees and his daughters as captives of Sihon, the Amorite king. We have utterly destroyed them all the way from Heshbon to Dibon. We have completely wiped them out as far away as Nopha and Medaba. So the people of Israel occupied the territory of the Amorites. After Moses sent men to explore the Jazar area, they captured all the towns in the region and drove out the Amorites who lived there. Then they turned and marched toward Bashan, but King Og of Bashan and all his people attacked them at Adre. The Lord said to Moses, Do not be afraid of him, for I have given you victory over Og and his entire army, giving you all his land. You will do the same to him as you did to King Sihon of the Amorites, who ruled in Heshbon. And Israel was victorious, and killed King Og, his sons, and his subjects. Not a single survivor remained. Then Israel occupied their land. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Numbers 22 Then the people of Israel traveled to the plains of Moab and camped east of the Jordan River, across from Jericho. Balak, son of Zippor, the Moabite king, knew what the Israelites had done to the Amorites. And when they saw how many Israelites there were, he and his people were terrified. The king of Moab said to the leaders of Midian, This mob will devour everything in sight, like an ox devours grass. So Balak, king of Moab, sent messengers to Balaam, son of Beor, who was living in his native land of Pethor, near the Euphrates River. He sent this message to request that Balaam come to help him. A vast horde of people has arrived from Egypt. They cover the face of the earth and are threatening me. Please come and curse them for me, because they are so numerous. Then perhaps I will be able to conquer them and drive them from the land. I know that blessings fall on the people you bless. I also know that the people you curse are doomed." Balak's messengers, officials of both Moab and Midian, set out and took money with them to pay Balaam to curse Israel. They went to Balaam and urgently explained to him what Balak wanted. "'Stay here overnight,' Balaam said. "'In the morning I will tell you whatever the Lord directs me to say.' So the officials from Moab stayed there with Balaam. That night God came to Balaam and asked him, "'Who are these men with you?' So Balaam said to God, "'Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab, has sent me this message.' A vast horde of people has come from Egypt and has spread out over the whole land. Come at once to curse them. Perhaps then I will be able to conquer them and drive them from the land. Do not go with them, God told Balaam. You are not to curse these people, for I have blessed them. The next morning Balaam got up and told Balak's officials, Go on home. The Lord will not let me go with you. So the Moabite officials returned to King Balak and reported, Balaam refused to come with us. Then Balak tried again. This time he sent a larger number of even more distinguished officials than those he had sent the first time. They went to Balaam and gave him this message. This is what Balak, son of Zippor, says. Please don't let anything stop you from coming. I will pay you well and do anything you ask of me. Just come and curse these people for me. But Balaam answered them, Even if Balak were to give me a palace filled with silver and gold, I would be powerless to do anything against the will of the Lord my God, but stay here one more night to see if the Lord has anything else to say to me. That night God came to Balaam and told him, Since these men have come for you, get up and go with them, but be sure to do only what I tell you to do. So the next morning Balaam saddled his donkey and started off with the Moabite officials. But God was furious that Balaam was going, so he sent the angel of the Lord to stand in the road to block his way. As Balaam and two servants were riding along, Balaam's donkey suddenly saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand. The donkey bolted off the road into a field, but Balaam beat it and turned it back onto the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood at a place where the road narrowed between two vineyard walls. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing there, it tried to squeeze by and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. So Balaam beat the donkey again. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Then the angel of the Lord moved farther down the road and stood in a place so narrow that the donkey could not get by at all. This time, when the donkey saw the angel, it lay down under Balaam. In a fit of rage, Balaam beat it again with his staff. Then the Lord caused the donkey to speak. What have I done to you that deserves your beating me these three times? It asked Balaam. Because you have made me look like a fool, Balaam shouted. If I had a sword with me, I would kill you. "'But I am the same donkey you always ride on,' the donkey answered. "'Have I ever done anything like this before?' "'No,' he admitted. "'Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, "'and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the roadway with a drawn sword in his hand. "'Balaam fell face down on the ground before him. "'Why did you beat your donkey those three times?' the angel of the Lord demanded. "'I have come to block your way because you are stubbornly resisting me.' Three times the donkey saw me and shied away. Otherwise I would certainly have killed you by now and spared the donkey. Then Balaam confessed to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. I did not realize you were standing in the road to block my way. I will go back home if you are against my going. But the angel of the Lord told him, Go with these men, but you may say only what I tell you to say. So Balaam went on with Balak's officials. When King Balak heard that Balaam was on the way, he went out to meet him at a Moabite town on the Arnon River at the border of his land. Did I not send you an urgent invitation? Why didn't you come right away? Balak asked Balaam. Didn't you believe me when I said I would reward you richly? Balaam replied, I have come, but I have no power to say just anything. I will speak only the messages that God gives me. Then Balaam accompanied Balak to Kiriath Husoth, where the king sacrificed cattle and sheep. He sent portions of the meat to Balaam and the officials who were with him. The next morning, Balak took Balaam up to Bamoth Baal. From there he could see the people of Israel spread out below him. Numbers 23 Balaam said to King Balak, Build me seven altars here, and prepare seven young bulls and seven rams for a sacrifice. Balak followed his instructions, and the two of them sacrificed a young bull and a ram on each altar. Then Balaam said to Balak, Stand here by your burnt offerings, and I will go to see if the Lord will respond to me. Then I will tell you whatever he reveals to me. So Balaam went alone to the top of a hill, and God met him there. Balaam said to him, I have prepared seven altars, and have sacrificed a young bull and a ram on each altar. Then the Lord gave Balaam a message for King Balak and said, Go back to Balak and tell him what I told you. When Balaam returned, the king was standing beside his burnt offerings with all the officials of Moab. This was the prophecy Balaam delivered. Balak summoned me to come from Aram. The king of Moab brought me from the eastern hills. Come, he said, curse Jacob for me. Come and announce Israel's doom. But how can I curse those whom God has not cursed? How can I condemn those whom the Lord has not condemned? I see them from the cliff tops. I watch them from the hills. I see a people who live by themselves, set apart from other nations. Who can count Jacob's descendants as numerous as dust? Who can count even a fourth of Israel's people? Let me die like the righteous. Let my life end like theirs. Then King Balak demanded of Balaam, What have you done to me? I brought you to curse my enemies. Instead, you have blessed them. But Balaam replied, Can I say anything except what the Lord tells me? You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Then King Balak told him, Come with me to another place. There you will see only a portion of the nation of Israel. Curse at least that many. So Balak took Balaam to the plateau of Zophim on Pisgah Peak. He built seven altars there and offered a young bull and a ram on each altar. Then Balaam said to the king, Stand here by your burnt offering while I go to meet the Lord. So the Lord met Balaam and gave him a message. Then he said, Go back to Balak and give him this message. So Balaam returned to the place where the king and the officials of Moab were standing beside Balak's burnt offerings. What did the Lord say? Balak asked eagerly. This was the prophecy Balaam delivered. Rise up, Balak, and listen. Hear me, son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie. He is not a human that he should change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? I received a command to bless. He has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. No misfortune is in sight for Jacob. No trouble is in store for Israel. For the Lord their God is with them. He has been proclaimed their king. God has brought them out of Egypt. He is like a strong ox for them. No curse can touch Jacob. No sorcery has any power against Israel. For now it will be said of Jacob what wonders God has done for Israel. These people rise up like a lioness, like a majestic lion they stand. They refuse to rest until they have feasted on prey, drinking the blood of the slaughtered. Then Balak said to Balaam, If you aren't going to curse them, at least don't bless them. But Balaam replied, Didn't I tell you that I must do whatever the Lord tells me? Then King Balak said to Balaam, Come, I will take you to yet another place. Perhaps it will please God to let you curse them from there. So Balak took Balaam to the top of Mount Peor, overlooking the wasteland. Balaam again told Balak, Build me seven altars and prepare me seven young bulls and seven rams for a sacrifice. So Balak did as Balaam ordered and offered a young bull and a ram on each altar. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Numbers 24. By now Balaam realized that the Lord intended to bless Israel, so he did not resort to divination as he often did. Instead he turned and looked out toward the wilderness, where he saw the people of Israel camped tribe by tribe. Then the Spirit of God came upon him, and this is the prophecy he delivered. This is the prophecy of Balaam, son of Beor, the prophecy of the man whose eyes see clearly, who hears the words of God, who sees a vision from the Almighty, who falls down with eyes wide open. How beautiful are your tents, O Jacob! How lovely are your homes, O Israel! They spread before me like groves of palms, like fruitful gardens by the riverside. They are like aloes planted by the Lord, like cedars beside the waters. Water will gush out in buckets. Their offspring are supplied with all they need. Their king will be greater than Agog. Their kingdom will be exalted. God brought them up from Egypt, drawing them along like a wild ox. He devours all the nations that oppose him, breaking their bones in pieces, shooting them with arrows. Like a lion, Israel crouches and lies down. Like a lioness, who dares to arouse her? Blessed is everyone who blesses you, O Israel, and cursed is everyone who curses you. King Balak flew into a rage against Balaam. He angrily clapped his hands and shouted, I called you to curse my enemies. Instead, you have blessed them three times. Now get out of here. Go back home. I had planned to reward you richly, but the Lord has kept you from your reward. Balaam told Balak, Don't you remember what I told your messengers? I said, Even if Balak were to give me a palace filled with silver and gold, I am powerless to do anything against the will of the Lord. I told you that I could say only what the Lord says. Now I am returning to my own people. But first let me tell you what the Israelites will do to your people in the future. This is the prophecy Balaam delivered. This is the message of Balaam, son of Beor, the prophecy of the man whose eyes see clearly, who hears the words of God, who has knowledge from the Most High, who sees a vision from the Almighty, who falls down with his eyes wide open. I see him, but not in the present time. I perceive him, but far in the distant future. A star will rise from Jacob. A scepter will emerge from Israel. It will crush the foreheads of Moab's people, cracking the skulls of the people of Sheth. Edom will be taken over, and Seir, its enemy, will be conquered, while Israel continues on in triumph. A ruler will rise in Jacob, who will destroy the survivors of Ur. Then Balaam looked over at the people of Amalek and delivered this prophecy. Amalek was the greatest of nations, but its destiny is destruction. Then he looked over at the Kenites and prophesied, You are strongly situated. Your nest is set in the rocks. But the Kenites will be destroyed when Assyria takes you captive. Balaam concluded his prophecies by saying, Alas, who can survive when God does this? Ships will come from the coasts of Cyprus. They will oppress both Assyria and Eber, but they too will be utterly destroyed. Then Balaam and Balak returned to their homes. End of reading, Numbers 21.10 through 24.25. Fascinating reading tonight from the book of Numbers in the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and then the book of Numbers. As we see the people of Israel, under the leadership of Moses still, making their way around the southern end of the Dead Sea. There was an 11-day journey up from Mount Sinai to the southern end of Canaan. They ran into opposition along the way. They asked for a safe journey through a certain land, and they were forbidden that. They'll remember these things, and it will mean war later on. They were denied passage up to the north, so they went around the southern end of the Dead Sea. And then they have begun to go north over the Arnon River, which flows into the Dead Sea as well. Now, all the water that flows into the Dead Sea, no water flows out of the Dead Sea, and that's why it's called the Dead Sea. And there's a natural lesson there for us as human beings. When all we do is take in life and we never give out, we never give to others, we're kind of like a dead sea. It's a very interesting object lesson for us. But the dead sea is highly saline and there's no living thing in the dead sea They went underneath it, and then they come into contact with King Sihon of the Amorites, then King Og of Bashan. These aren't clearly identified people groups in the sense of having borders as clearly defined as we have. Most of these are city-states, and then they range out from those city-states to occupy and control certain land that their people then would use for their herds and their crops. These are not carefully laid out, like we understand today, nations with a border that's clearly posted. You know, you had to stop your camel at the frontier and go through the toll booth. It's not like that. But they do run into these people groups. They have these two battles, and God makes it clear to Moses. He says, Do not be afraid, for I have handed the victory over to you, along with all his people in his land. God lets them know clearly that he is with them. Then Balak of the Moabites, which is a powerful people group, he goes up and hires Balaam, this sorcerer, from 400 miles to the north, this person who's involved with God and reads the stars and so on, and he tries to hire him. And Balaam goes through this terrible time of trying to be true to his calling to represent God in the perspective of God, and yet he's so totally tempted and controlled by his love for money and for the favor of this king He has to struggle between telling the truth and his love for money. Very interesting reading tonight. There's a lot more to the passage than what just comes to us as we read it on its first level, its first reading tonight. We see this victory. But the story of Balaam, Balaam, this king who tries to hire this sorcerer from the north, 400 miles to the north who probably is a descendant of Ishmael, he comes down three times. He tries to, he's tempted, he desires very much to curse the people of Israel. And yet there is a spiritual reality. There is something going on. Balaam is actually in touch, and he has an opportunity to truly be used of God, and be an instrument of God. And yet he ends up battling against God and working to overcome the great plans of God. We'll talk about Live it next time. With Sophie Dollar, Sophie reads from the New Living Translation by Kendall House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America. And your prayers and financial support are needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to the Bible Live post office box, 1888. That's the Bible Live P.O. box 18888 san antonio texas 78218 you may also make credit card donations at the ministry website the now don't forget join us each weekday for the bible live with soapy dollars start today and in one year's time we will read and respond together to the entire bible let the most important word you hear each day be god's word